All right. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us at the Half History Podcast. Uh, I'm Julio, and this is Paola. Hello. Thank you for watching us on, uh, on YouTube. Thank you for listening to us where you get your podcasts. Please help us out by liking and subscribing. Follow us at Half History Pod on Twitter. Half History everywhere else. Half History. Look for us. Look out for us every Friday with the Half History Podcast. Email us at halfhistorypod at gmail.com and help us grow by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash halfhistory. Halfhistory. With all that out of the way, today Paola is going to be talking about some real life true crime. We got Pablo Escobar as today's topic. And just so everyone knows, we do not condone this behavior or we do not condone drug trafficking or any smuggling of any kind. Yeah, I think... I think because oh, this guy and some other, um, El Chapo, right? Some other cartel criminals, um, throughout history have been pretty horrifying, and the crimes that they commit are not not good news for anybody. So Mm-mm. we're just more interested in the circumstances that led to this person's situation, well, and yeah, we're just gonna be talking about kind of like their life, what they got into, what it was like um got the pups with us right here as well i don't know if you guys can can see them but we have patty in my sweater and then pepper in the blanket so you guys will probably see them if you're watching this yep um but yeah shall we get into it let's get into it all right so pablo escobar as a lot of us know was arguably the world's most powerful drug trafficker in the 1980s and early 90s um, but first, let's let's dive into where it all began. Um, Pablo Escobar was spawned into this world on the 1st of December, 1949. 49? Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a, a long time ago. I know, but it was also crazy, like the, the 1st of December. Hmm. All that holiday cheer. Yeah, that's when actually d- interesting. We When picking this topic, we kind of just threw it out there as a, mm-hmm. as a random suggestion, but cool it's or it's interesting that he was born this this month what does that make him actually is he still alive no i thought yeah i figured he, he did I've, i don't really know anything about well the guy. we're gonna get into it yeah. today but i'm trying to figure out what his sign is i don't know if, if any of you guys are interested in that but oh that's what you meant i thought you yes. meant how old does that make him no oh my gosh <laughs> what uh astrological He is a Sagittarius. Sagittarius. What does mm-hmm. that? I, I don't. What does that mean? Well, I'm not that good at it, but let us see. Sagittarius in astrology is considered as. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Uh. What kind of person? Sagittarians are optimistic, lovers of freedom, hilarious, fair-minded, <laughs> honest, and intellectual. We'll see. Right. We'll see if that applies. Lovers of freedom. That sounds like the person that I want to be. <laughs> they, Lover of freedom. Right. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of other ones that sounded good, but I kind of forgot. Mm. They are spontaneous and fun usually with a lot of friends and perhaps the best conversationalists in the Zodiac. 
but wow. um maybe who knows you could have been best buds with pablo escobar back in the day interesting it's probably how he became <laughs> so powerful and popular just because of his <laughs> charisma well that and also killing them but we'll get into that right um so part of his early life pablo escobar grew up with how many siblings don't look at them he was one an only child two he was the third of seven children or three he was the third of 12 children go 12 children 12 children Mm -mm. so he was actually the third of seven children third of seven Mm -hmm. so not that much but his parents probably did not have a tv back in the day because they sure were busy that's still a lot (laughs) for some reason i I assumed it would have been more Mm. uh in 49 he was born in 49 he was a third of seven yes so in the middle wow yeah man i can't even imagine it's interesting to think about for me you know that's Mm -hmm. uh i was just looking into the into world war ii today Mm -hmm. so that ended in 45 okay so it just kind of things that happen kind of coincidentally Mm -hmm. at time multiple multiple things are happening kind of all at the same time so i mean this was four years later that's not necessarily the same time but yeah i think it's i think it's interesting that there is you know, just kind of like history that history kind of happening right like you don't even really think about the other stuff that's happening around or who's being born around like the end of the war you know right but uh pablo escobar was a spawn of that spawn Came, of satan spawn of well he sure made some some people happy back in the day some people <laughs> some people some bad people some bad people yeah i know that i don't know it sounds sounds like he's got a lot uh, to to uh pay for so to speak yeah well he's dead but uh <laughs> he grew up in a neighboring city uh close to medellin 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 i don't know where that's medallion do you want to read it medellin medellin i feel like that's how you pronounce it but i feel like it might be making a lot of people angry no yeah i feel like that means medallion (laughs) medellin medallion but um growing up his or are you googling it yeah nice i'm just seeing that it's a country Mm -hmm. not necessarily seeing a translation ah but uh growing up his father was a farmer and his mom was a teacher nice Mm. so pretty so that sounds like he was kind of a salt of the earth fellow you would think but also he had a lot of siblings so i imagine there was probably not a lot of attention maybe being brought to all of them but right just poor that's just a, a big assumption yeah but um Escobar dropped out of high school in 1966, just before his 17th birthday. And that is when Escobar actually started getting into his criminal career. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So which birthday? 17th? 17th, yes. Dang. Just before his 17th birthday. But, uh... Seems kind of late. I mean, that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But I feel like a lot of times, criminal... The, uh, I feel like criminals get started young a lot of times. Well, you could start anytime, but you could, yeah. Someone but like Escobar, it's like it sounds like to me. I would imagine he mm-hmm. 
always was kind of this evil person, but maybe yeah grew into that. No, that's a good point. Because, like, um, I mean, you do this as a way to make money on the side, but I think he just realized that he was really good at, at doing all these bad things and getting away with it, you know? Yeah. It, maybe it was that charisma, that charisma. Sagittarius charisma. Charisma. <laughs> but um, he is most likely to have started his career in thuggery by committing street fraud, which I'm pretty sure is basically car theft, right? Street fraud? Mm-hmm. Fraud, well, I don't know. Fraud mm-hmm. is more like, oh, that, that makes me think more kind of... Like fake IDs? Yeah, fake IDs, mm-hmm. just kind of um being deceptive more than just kind of theft right because you could say theft you know or grand theft auto that's mm-hmm. that's that's theft but fraud sounds more corrupt in terms of right well he did also do car theft ah. as well so that's not that's a given but um but that's what he was more uh that's what he was basically starting with. off yeah but um Thank you, Wikipedia. I just realized I forgot to shout them out. Oh, Wikipedia always. We're for the mm. most part, man. We would love to do more in-depth research. We've found some good websites, but mm-hmm. Wikipedia has the uh, most mm-hmm. info all in one place. I feel so. like, yeah, we're and it up. It's really nice that they also have all like the early life and and like late in life, their death. You know, like it just kind of gets into it all, it's in, all a, organized. in a great way. Right. Um, and to all the teachers that said, don't use Wikipedia because it's not reliable. Just check the sources if you're that interested or, you know, care that much. Mm -hmm. But those editors, they don't do it to get paid, but they're very dedicated to what they do. So shout out to Wikipedia and the people who keep that thing running. And if any of you guys could donate, please like guys are feeling generous please go ahead yep even like two bucks two three bucks would help them out shout out mm-hmm. but um let's get back into it although it was speculated that he started by stealing tombstones and sandblasting their inscriptions and then reselling them it is speculated that he um wow yeah that's how the that's speculated how it started basically all right mm-hmm. which that, that's pretty like what's wow that's a niche way to make money or like right yeah because not a lot of people yeah can sandblast tombstones discreetly you know right especially a 17 year old what so he he basically did he was he always just doing crime or did he have any sort of experience working as a any sort of worker well I can't imagine there isn't any like information that I really got on his early life. Like this is kind of just where it started was like when he dropped out of school. Sounds like he just was in school, started um, stealing cars. Probably, yeah. Or I mean, there was probably definitely influences in school, you know, and especially around that time, hmm. you know. Um, I can't imagine it was easy after the war. Right. But um, <clears throat> it is only speculated. I see. Yes. That's a long time ago. So he's born in 49. Mm-hmm. 20 years. Uh, what is it? 70. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I don't know. Because I read it in a few places that that was like 
that that happened. But, um, I mean, if he never got caught, there wouldn't have, have really been any records, mm. you know? Right. Like, if he never got in trouble for stealing them and sandblasting them, maybe it was only, like, word on the street, you know, that he did. Yeah. So take it with a grain of salt. I'm sure a lot of things about the, the this person's upbringing or mm-hmm. come up in the criminal world has to do with stories and yeah. things being passed around. Oh, yeah. Uh, through mi- like just myths you know glorified yeah folklore uh mm-hmm. is the is the word i think i'm trying to hit on it's a great word yeah because mm. he's kind of a folk hero in a lot of oh yeah areas of mexico right yeah no a lot of people really like him but we will get into that mm. um two years later when he was 19 he returned to high school with his cousin uh gustavo gaviria but a lot of their classmates and teachers knew of what they'd been up to. Um, so they were labeled as thugs and bullies. Hmm. So they were kind of outcasted by by a lot of their classmates and their teachers. Because their teachers kind of like... Their teachers and everyone had kind of basically known what they were up to. So they were labeled as thugs. Mm-hmm. And that led them to become even more yeah. mischievous. Yeah, basically. Like, if you guys aren't going to support us and help us, you know, then what the hell are we doing here? Like... They uh, they had a good word on the street, basically, for them. Like, they were well-known. So I imagine they probably felt a lot more at home where they felt, like, respected. Mm. But um, the two of the cousins, the cousin and Pablo Escobar dropped out of high school um, after more than a year. But Escobar, who did not give up, briefly became autonomous in Latin America by forging high school diplomas. What? Mm-hmm. So this guy was probably really good at like... Forging diplomas. So people would pay mm-hmm. him mm-hmm. to create a fake diploma so that they could get employed somewhere else. Yes, yes. Wow. That's kind of sad. It's really smart, honestly. That's <laughs> Cheap, smart. easy way. Yeah, um, I mean, that's smart. It's unfortunate we, though, man. Right. Oh, definitely. But if he could to get a good job and they didn't really check it, I mean, wouldn't you... Yeah. Comment down below if you would or wouldn't. <laughs> Heck no, don't. don't. <laughs> I'm kidding, don't do that. Yeah, no, I... <laughs> it, it just makes me sad because education is the most important thing Absolutely. that keeps people out of um, doing um, criminal things like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the most part, other than economic opportunities and, and status and, and stuff. Mm-hmm. So... It's unfortunate that the, the it's just kind of like an easy way out, like a ticket for Basically. people that maybe just weren't already weren't doing good with the system that mm-hmm. we're kind of forced to kind of stick to. So yeah. no, absolutely, it just sucks. I imagine the school system failed a couple of these people, especially if I mean Pablo and his cousin dropped out because they were being bullied by the people that called them bullies dang (laughs) but um he studied in college for a little bit with the goal of becoming a criminal lawyer and politician but eventually or oh sorry and eventually president so he had the goal of becoming a criminal criminal lawyer and politician and then eventually he wanted to become president but he had to give up because of lack of money so he was broke as well so his goal is to become president but he gave up that 
ambition because he was broke. Yes. But then he got super, super, super rich, right? And then he didn't want to be president. Well, at that point, he was already making millions. Right. Like, and then, I mean, he probably had not the best reputation with... Well, hold on. So was he involved in politics? We'll get into that. Hmm. We'll get into that. Just hold your horses. But... um. After dropping out of school, he joined a gang that specialized in car theft. And by 20, he had become a household name for car thieves. So in he was his the, 20s... the mythical car thief? He was the mythical car thief, yes. It's like one moment he's there, and then the next moment he's... Esco gone. Esco gone? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> um, Pablo Escobar and his gang would steal cars and dismantle them to sell the car parts. And eventually, with enough money, he bribed officials to launder his loot. <laughs> right. Which, classic. I mean, that's the way to do it. If you're going to steal cars... <laughs> <laughs> I, knew, I had a feeling you would say that. <laughs> you, you, can't, you can't sell a, a stolen car. Right. You have to part it out. Right. Which is really smart on them. To, yeah. bond, to be honest. I mean, he sounds like a criminal genius. Oh, yeah. I mean... <laughs> a, a skilled, kind of cunning sort of person mm-hmm. who got his hands dirty really early. Was, oh, yeah. Was doing criminal no activities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just really getting into it. Which... Stealing honestly, cars. Probably uh, wasn't money. afraid to, yeah, get violent if he had to protect mm. himself. Well, you called it because... Um, Escobar soon became involved in violent crime. <laughs> uh, ah. He would <clears throat> uh, he would start by employing criminals to kidnap people who owed him money and demanded ransoms, mm. sometimes tearing up tickets even when Escobar received the ransom. Which I don't really know what they meant by tickets. Yeah, I was going to say. guessing they probably just like ripped it rip the ticket or like the amount that they wanted Hmm. so so i'm guessing like they would write down the amount that they wanted on the ticket and then when they got it like the money he would just tear it up and be like now you don't you don't get shit Hmm. and i'm keeping the money yeah that sounds a little shady i'm I'm a little bit lost as to kind of what that means as well but with the ticket thing yeah well he basically just didn't care sometimes and right. I'm guessing he would probably just kill them, mm-hmm. which would be easier to then return it. Because then you would like the the risk of getting caught would be higher. That's crazy. Um, his most famous kidnapping, though, was businessman Diego Echavarria, Echavarria, mm. who was kidnapped uh-huh, and eventually ki- killed in the summer of 1971. Which brings us to our next question. All right. How much ransom money did Pablo receive? $15,000, $25,000, or $50,000? Ransom money, we're going to say twenty-five. Wrong. He got $50,000 ransom from the... Echavarria family his gang became well known for this kidnapping Mm. so this is kind of how he he got into the big leaks so that was his initial kind of seed money his coup de gras (laughs) wow this is the the kidnapping yes allowed him to go big time excuse me um yeah 
this guy was super rich and he got heck of money back. But um, Escobar had been involved in organized crime for a decade when the cocaine trade began to spread in Colombia in the mid-1970s. Mm. <clears throat> One of Colombia's first drug dealers was Fabio Restrepo, who shipped about 40 to 60 kilograms of cocaine to Miami once or twice a year. And I converted it to pounds. You're welcome. Um, so basically, he transported 88 to 132 pounds to Miami once or twice a year. Pounds. Wow. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. <laughs> Yeah. A lot of freaking cocaine. Twice a year. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to imagine how many people were being served. I mean, in Miami, that's a lot of people. There's a lot of noses, you know what I mean? Right. I don't know. I mean... He wasn't the only person supplying. So just being able to move that amount amount of product sounds like the guy was... But it was also... a lot of money. It was the mid-70s. So this is when, like cocaine and all these fun drugs were like booming fun mm-hmm. i don't know about that <laughs> well back in the day it was more normalized right but um under escobar's mastermind restrepo was a- uh, assassinated in 1975 hmm. and escobar seized his market and business oh so escobar was basically like hmm, that's a good business you got there mind if i just pop pop so he did he he killed him he said he mm-hmm. died he was assassinated, but it was under Escobar's mastermind. So um, Escobar basically planned to assassinate him. Nice. Mm-hmm. So he and just took over. He just took over. Does that mean that he was scared <laughs> for his own life? Because if you're if you're taking people's life to take over their territory and power, that means that someone's after your head, you know, at one point or another. That is a very good point. He probably did. But I could also imagine, like, he had a good influence on people pepper's just looking at you mm. <laughs> but um sorry my dog's just our dog was staring at his her dad <laughs> dog. but um yeah no that's a very good point he was probably scared once he took over but i wonder what the guy the original guy's flaw was if he just was too naive to think that no one would come and kill him well Escobar seems very manipulative. Like, he seems like he treats the people that work for him really well because no one really betrays him, you know? Right. Like, I feel like he just probably has a good judge of character on who won't screw him over. Right, and he kills everyone else. Kills everyone else, basically. Um, Because no one would who doesn't really, like, believe in you would probably help you assassinate the first drug lord. Right. You know? Um, but yeah, he was killed. <laughs> so what's interesting to me is he probably has to be the good guy to someone at this point. When he's right. coming up, you know? Some people right. have to believe in him, even if he's doing horrible things. Absolutely. You know, it's one side versus the other. One side has to be... Well, they have to feel like they're in the right, you know, mm-hmm. in s- some way or another. Yeah, just kind of like, this guy knows what he's doing. I'm going to follow him. Right. But um, Escobar's meteoric rise also caught the attention of the Colombian Security Service, or DOS, who arrested him in May 1976 on his return from drug traffic 
drug trafficking in Ecuador. Ecuador, sorry. Um, DOS agents found 39 kilograms of cocaine in the spare tire of Escobar's car, or about 86 pounds of coke in the spare tire. Do you think? I know. Do you think it drove funny? It was in the spare, mm-hmm. so it wasn't necessarily on the right. on the car. Mm-hmm. So that's probably the easiest way to to smuggle something. Mm-hmm. But he got caught, obviously. Right. So, no. So not that good. <laughs> right. But the the thing, if it was actually in a in a a wheel that was on a vehicle, yeah, mm-hmm. it probably would drive mm. a little funky. Right. I imagine. Don't hit those turns too fast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, but Escobar managed to change the first judge in the lawsuit, and then he bribed the second judge. So he was released along with other prisoners. Um, the following year, the agent who arrested Escobar was assassinated. Jeez. I know. So that that's this is kind of what really fascinated me about uh, cartel crime mm. with someone as powerful as Escobar. Mm-hmm the so much of the economy is dominated by drugs and Absolutely. crime so mm-hmm. this guy can just come in and and say hey i want a different judge mm-hmm. it gets word gets passed around mm-hmm. judge gets changed judge gets bribed mm-hmm. he gets released you know and then the police officer who arrested him the first time was killed right just to send Murdered. a message like don't arrest this guy ever or yes. you're gonna get killed but at the same time like this dude's just doing his job like anyone else you know like it's just very unfortunate yeah and it really sucks because this guy was just doing his job and it's unfortunate that he had to do do that to some a horrible monster who who would eventually get him after but um Escobar continued to collude with uh, law enforcement in the same fashion. His strategy came to be known as silver or lead or money or bullets. So he basically assassinated people that would try and catch him. I'm not entirely sure what that really meant. Silver or lead. Mm Mm-hmm. Silver or lead or money or bullets. Silver, lead. Oh, silver, lead or money or bullets. So like you are going to make me money or you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Yeesh. Although um, the Medellin group was only established in the early 1970s, it expanded after Escobar met several drug lords on a farm in April 1978. Mm. So how much coke? Did they transport by the end of 1978? 11,000 kilograms or 24,251 pounds. 16,000 kilograms or 35,274 pounds. Or 19,000 kilograms or 41,888 pounds. I'm going to go with the second one. Second one? Wrong. It was 19. 15,000 kilograms or 41,888 pounds. Crazy fish. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Wow. Mm -hmm. So by the end of 1978, they had transported some 19,000 kilograms of cocaine to the United States. That's pretty insane. Mm -hmm. Pepper wants to go with you. (laughs) 
Commando. Uh, soon the demand for cocaine greatly increased in the United States, which led to Escobar organizing more smuggling shipments, routes, and distribution networks in South Florida, California, Puerto Rico, and other parts of the country. He and cartel co-founder Carlos Le Leather, L-E-H-D-E-R, worked together to develop a new transshipment point in the Bahamas, mm. an island called the Norman's Cay, about 350 kilometers or 220 miles southeast of the Florida coast. According to his brother, Escobar did not purchase Norman's Cay, and it was instead sole venture of letters. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So they were able to use it as a little checkpoint. Basically, yeah. Safe house. <laughs> nice. I mean, good for them. Right. <laughs> it's a whole island. Escobar and Robert Vesco, or Vesco purchased most of the land on the island, which included one kilometer or, excuse me, 3,300 3, feet airstrip, a harbor, a hotel, houses, boats, and aircraft. And they built a refrigerated warehouse to store the cocaine. Wow. Um, wow. Mm-hmm. So they had that much money. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Refrigerated, probably just to keep it fresh. Extra fresh. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Gotta keep it cold. Um, from 1978 to 1982, this was used as a central smuggling route for the Medellin cartel. With the enormous profits generated by this route, Escobar was soon able to purchase 20 square kilometers or 7.7 .7 square miles of land in Antioquia. Antioquia? Antioquia. Antioquia. It's A-N-T-I-O-Q-U-I-A. Antioquia. That, I mean... That's an interesting name. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's old. It's um, hard. Antique. Hard to say. <laughs> but for several million dollars, he bought this land, on which he built the Hacienda Napoles. Napoles. Right. The luxury house he created. I'm pretty sure you've heard of this house before. Have you? It was very infamous. No. No? Maybe. Is that the one where he's standing at the pool? <laughs> Maybe. Where he's standing with his hands behind his back, looking longingly. I don't, I don't know, actually. Um, I don't know if I've seen that photo. But uh, this house contained a zoo, a lake, a sculpture garden, a private bull ring, and other amenities for his family and the cartel. Whoa. <laughs> mm-hmm. Dude, imagine having a zoo in your own house. Wow. It'd be amazing. Imagine how much food. And that vet bill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Escobar was also involved in philanthropy oh. in Colombia and paid handsomely for the staff of his cocaine lab. Escobar spent millions developing some of Medellin's poorest neighborhoods, and he helped build roads, power lines, and soccer fields. He also built housing complexes for the homeless. So wow. he was using a lot of money to help repair some of the poor neighborhoods. That's freaking the dopest thing mm -hmm. that you could possibly do Absolutely. as um you know a horrible crime lord we are just like i made the dopest house that i possibly could for my myself mm -hmm. i'm gonna you know have as much entertainment as i want mm -hmm. as much luxury as i need mm -hmm. 
there's nothing more I could possibly give myself. Let's mm-hmm. let's spice up this town because it's, it's looking a little drab. So he's <laughs> giving people soccer fields mm-hmm. and uh, schools and mm-hmm. all kinds of amazing things. So You're right. No, and like honestly, I think that's really cool. That's why he had a lot of people kind of supporting him and and like really caring for him. Yeah. But um. Escobar also entered politics in the 1970s, so you were right, and participated in and supported the formation of the Liberal Party of Colombia. So he was in politics mm-hmm. in the 70s. Mm-hmm. This is kind of during or before his kind of rise, because it was it was 75 that he kind of killed this guy and took power, right? From what I remember. Another question I was going to ask on top of kind of when this time frame is. So 1971 was when he kidnapped that guy and where he kind of got famous for. um, Wait a minute. So it must have just kind of been all at once. But what's most interesting to me is he got into politics, but. How did he buy the property? Did he do it just under his name? Did people know he was such a criminal at the time? Or was it more... Was he doing it... Where he was using fake names or other people's assets or things like that? Or was he just that powerful in the... Like, you said, like... I mean, obviously, he could bribe a judge to release him. So, he must have been powerful enough to just buy property. Right. So, I I don't know why I'm asking that question, but it's just... It's really interesting and, and kind of crazy to think about. No, absolutely. Um, I definitely think he was probably just super duper powerful. I'm like, this was also in Colombia hmm. or Medellin. Hold on. Medellin. Medellin. That's the place where he mm-hmm. started really oh, sorry. shaping things up. Basically, <coughs> um, he was lost my place. He entered the Colombian Congress. So I could also imagine um, he was getting away with some stuff. Because back in the day, I'm pretty sure the Colum- Colombian Congress had, had done some shady stuff as well. Right. People in politics. I mean, you always kind of hear about it. Hmm. I, I was wondering. I didn't know this whole time where kind of this, this whole thing was happening. Oh. I was assuming that it was happening in Mexico, but mm-hmm. it's Colombia that we're talking about. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that was my bad. No, so you can. <laughs> thanks for uh, clearing that up for me. You're welcome. Um, if you have any questions, feel free. I know I'm probably not being very... That fine Colombian. It's, it must... Have, there's such a reputation for cocaine that comes from Colombia. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of that has to do with probably Escobar. Absolutely. Sure. Mm-hmm. Right. That's crazy. Yeah. And um, shall we get back to it? Yeah. Hell yeah. In 1982, he successfully entered the Colombian Congress. Uh, although only an alternate, only an alternate, he was automatically granted parliament immunity and the right to a diplomatic passport under the Colombian law. <laughs> At the same time, Escobar was gradually becoming a public figure and became, and because of his uh, charitable work, he was known as Robin Hood Paisa. <laughs> Robin Hood Paisa? Robin Hood Paisa. 
He alleged once in an interview that his fortune came from a bicycle rental company he founded when he was 16 years old. Hmm. So he's also probably lying to them about his personality and how much money he he has. Right. When he was 17, he started robbing cars, so mm. he had no need for bicycles. Mm-mm. Um. In Congress, the new Minister of Justice, Rodrigo Lara Bonilla, had become Escobar's opponent, accusing Escobar of criminal activity from the very first day of Congress. Mm. Um, Escobar's arrest in 1976 was investigated by Lara Bonilla's subordinates. A few months later, liberal leader Luis Carlos Galán expelled Escobar from the party. Although Escobar fought back, he announced his retirement from the poli- from politics in January 1984. Mm-hmm. Three months later, Lara Bonilla was murdered. I was going to say, were these, were these people killed? Mm-hmm. Wow, murdered. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he, but he, but he, but he still stepped down. He still was no longer involved. He conceded that he couldn't get involved mm-hmm. in politics the real way, so he has to do it through criminal means murdering mm-hmm. people and bribes absolutely right yeah All so right. he was made to leave um let's see uh the colombian judiciary had been a target of escobar throughout the mid-1980s while bribing and murdering several judges in the fall of 1985 the wanted escobar requested the colombian government to allow his conditional surrender without extradition to the United States. Sorry, kind of lost my place. Also, Pepper's going crazy. Pepper's going crazy. <laughs> we're a mess over here. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we're a mess, but we're doing our best. Mm-hmm. Pepper said, "Yeah." Yeah. It's just Pepper. Me. You have. You still have Patty. I still have Patty <laughs> under my sweater. Just keeping me warm. Mm, cutie. But are you following along? It's been cold, yeah. Mm-hmm. Kind of. <laughs> I have a feeling. Should I go back a little bit? Well, yeah, so uh, I was following along up to where he was in, involved in, in politics and then forced to kind of leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Pepper kind of distracted me over here. Mm-hmm. Sorry. But uh, basically, Escobar fought back saying, like, don't let me leave, you know. Um so basically, he was expelled. He es- expelled Escobar from the party. Luis Carlos Galan expelled him. Um, and even though Escobar fought back, he announced his retirement from politics. Yeah. Shortly after. Right. In January 1984, and then three months later, Lara Bonilla, who was the guy that was like fighting him and saying that he was a criminal, was murdered. Murder. Hmm. Um. So nothing. Nothing ever changes. Basically. No. But. Um, he, I believe, was prosecuted. So the Colombian judiciary had been a target of Escobar throughout the mid-1980s. Um, and while bribing and murdering several judges in the fall of 1985, the wanted Escobar requested the Colombian government to allow his conditional surrender without extra- extradition. Extradition? Yeah. Is it extradition? Yeah. Okay. Uh, without extradition to the... Extradition... <laughs> It doesn't even sound like a word anymore. I'm so sorry, guys. Extradition. Extradition to the United States. 
The proposal was initially answered in the negative, and Escobar subsequently founded and implicitly supported the Los uh, Extraditable Organization, (laughs) uh, which aims to fight extradition policy. Extradition. Mm. I'm so sorry, guys. Can we try? Extradition is... That's when... um, (laughs) A company or a company or you know that's when um a country sends you're extradited when a com- a country sends a criminal to be charged mm-hmm. um and it sounds like he was denied i was having a little trouble following just because it's so kind of dense and you're just reading right it. um let me go back but he was not allowed to surrender uh, conditionally they said no we want to charge you criminally and he was like no uh, i want to have my own conditions where i'm, I'm going to be treated you know fairly mm-hmm. and they're like no we're going to arrest you yeah um well that's actually a great way to segue into this part because um that's basically what happened, right? Mm-hmm. The the loss loss extraditable organization was subsequently accused of participating in an effort to prevent the Colombian Supreme Court from studying the constitutionality of Colombia's extradition treaty with the United States. Mm. So a lot of people were fighting fighting this in Colombia. Um or in America. So this is this is an agreement with America for extradition. Yes. Let me go back. Cuz even I Should we be doing this, man? Should we be teaching people? Cuz I feel like even we're messy. Right. Well, I feel like this part where it gets political is a little mm-hmm. bit weird. It's kind of like Star Wars episode 1, We're you not politics. <laughs> Star Wars episode 1. Yeah, there there's a lot of politics and oh, yeah. it's kind of hard to follow. Yeah. But, you know, at the end there's going to be uh a pretty exciting pod race and a lightsaber fight so stick around for that it's gonna be pretty fun y'all yeah um conditional surrender with everything um the proposal was initially answered in the negative and escobar subsequently founded and implicitly supported the loss extraditable extra yeah, extraditable organization, which aims to fight extradition policy. What? I I mean, I followed that part. I'm just trying to, like, piece it together. What? Do you uh, want to read it? Well, no. No, you're good. You can. You can read it. I was, I was just, I was having a good time looking at you. We, okay. You can heck a read it if you want. I can read it as well. That was really sweet. <laughs> um, I'm just kind cute. of all over the place. I'm sorry. Yeah. <sighs> the in support of the 6th of November, um, 1985 far left guerrilla mo- movement that attacked the Colombian Judiciary Building and killed half of the justices of the Supreme Court. Are you following along? Yeah. Okay, because that was a big change. 
All right. Um, in the late 1986, Colombia's Supreme Court declared the previous extradition treaty illegal due to being signed by a presidential delegation, not the president. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So there was a bomb that killed half of the Supreme Court, mm-hmm. and then it was the presidential delegation that signed this law, not the actual president. Mm-hmm. And that's what they were arguing. So they're kind of forcing a lot of laws and, and changes basically through kind of violence. Violence. Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this guy has a lot of like followers. Dang. Mm-hmm. Um. Escobar's victory over the judiciary was short-lived mm. with the new president, Bill Jilo Hilo Barco Vargas, having quickly renewed his agreement with the United States. Mm. So the new president, Bill. Bill. <laughs> uh, was um, Bill Hilo Barco Vargas. Hilo Barco, Barco this Vargas. This whole name. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Barco Vargas. Mm-hmm. Um, Escobar still held a grudge against Luis Carlos Galán, who kicked him out of politics and was assassinated on 18th of August, 1989, at Escobar's orders. Hmm. Escobar then planted a bomb on Avianca, or Avianca Flight 203 in an attempt to assassinate Garland's successor, Cesar Gaviria Trujillo, who missed the plane and survived. Hmm. All 107 people were killed in the blast. Um, And because two Americans were also killed in the bombing, the U.S. government began to intervene directly. Jeez. Mm -hmm. Um, So he wasn't even on it. mm -mm. Wow. Um, Pretty sure he was still killed. Right. Oh, wait, no. After the assassination of Luis Carlos Galán, the administration of Cesar Gaviria moved against Escobar and the drug cartels. So they started prosecuting him because they were like, um, you just try to kill this man. Dang. And mm-hmm. he didn't even kill him. And I know. Killed 110 people. And mm-hmm. then he got charged for all of that. Yes. Wow. And then um, also the U.S. started like the U.S. government basically began to intervene directly because they were like, um, we had two Americans in that in that plane. Hmm. Um, what are you guys up to? <laughs> yeah. But, um, Bam. uh, eventually the government negotiated with Escobar and convinced him to surrender and cease all, cr- cease all criminal activity in exchange for a reduced sentence and preferential treatment during his captivity. Declaring an end to a series of previous violent acts meant to pressure authorities and public opinion, Escobar surrendered to Colombian authorities in 1991. Before he gave himself up, though, the extradition of Colombian citizens to the United States had been prohibited by the newly approved Colombian Constitution of 1991. Oh, man. This act was controversial as it was suspected that Escobar and other drug lords had influenced members of the Constituent Assembly in passing the law. Right. Escobar Escobar was confined in what became his own luxurious private prison, La Catedral, which featured a football pitch, a giant dollhouse, a bar, a jacuzzi, and a waterfall. 
Probably nicer than our apartment. Oh, yeah, dude. And it was a prison. Right. Um, accounts of Escobar's continued criminal activities while in prison began to surface in the media, which prompted the government to attempt to move him to a more conventional jail on the 22nd of July, 1992. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Escobar's influence allowed him to discover the plan in advance and make a successful escape, spending the remainder of his life evading the police. So he was like, they want to put me in a regular jail. Hell no. And he escaped. <laughs> so it was all just kind of a fake situation. He's, he's probably leaving, mm-hmm. you know, at night or whatever, just doing his thing. Yeah. Um, but what, what eventually brought him in was the murder of a hundred people in the attempt to kill just one guy. Mm-hmm. Just the murdering got to yep. got him, bro. Too but much. he still escaped too much murdering well he escaped because he passed a a law that prevented him from being extradited to america so that he was able to have the craziest prison that he wanted because he was so freaking powerful Mm. he's a crazy guy yeah but did you ever wonder about his love life kind of yeah well as for pablo's love life in March 1976, mm. the 26-year-old Escobar married Maria Victoria Henao, who was 15 at the time. Mm. The relationship was discouraged by the Henao family, who considered Escobar socially inferior to the pair, or to, you know, to everyone else. Um, the pair eloped, however, and they had two children. Oh. Um, I was going to put their names in here, but then I realized that one of them, I think, changed their name. So I kind of wanted to like leave that out. Respect some privacy. Respect some privacy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit uh so mm-hmm. good. However, he also had a drug distributor called Griselda Blanco, who is also reported to have conducted a clandestine but passionate relationship relationship with Escobar. Mm. Several items in her diary link him with the nicknames uh Coque de mi rey, or my coke king, and polla blanca, or <laughs> white cock. Oh. Yeah. Sorry, guys. A little PG-13 there. Or po- rated po- R. Polla? Um, polla blanca. Um, that, that, remind, that, would, that would sounds more to me like white chick. Like yeah. white lady. Polla. Polla in some places is like slang for for someone's willy well all right mm-hmm. the more you know yeah do you know what clandestine means yeah just kind of secretive mm-hmm. under in behind closed doors i looked that up because i didn't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> but um he owned many properties and um after becoming wealthy escobar created or bought uh numerous residences and safe houses with the hacienda napoles gaining significant notoriety notoriety um so we did get into it how it was he had like a zoo and everything in there but uh let's get back into it Hmm. uh the luxury house contained a colonial house a sculpture park a complete zoo with animals from various continents including elephants exotic birds giraffes and hippopotamuses (laughs) escobar had also planned to construct a greek style citadel near it and the, uh, although construction of the Citadel was started, it was never finished. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Wow. He also owned a home in the U.S. under his own name, a 6,500 square foot or 604 meters squared um, pink waterfront mansion situated at 5860 North Bay Road in Miami Beach, Florida. So he had a huge pink mansion. In Florida. Ah, that's so cool. I was so jealous. Wow. Mm-hmm. The four-bedroom estate built in 1948 on Bisc- Biscayne Bay was seized by the U.S. federal <laughs> government in the 1980s. That's so crazy. I know. Later, the dilapidated wow. property was owned by Christian de Berdoir, proprietor of the Chicken Kitchen fast food chain who had bought it in 2014. Chicken Kitchen? Mm-hmm. De Berdoir would later hire a documentary film crew and a professional treasury hunter to search the uh, edifice before and after demolition for anything related to Escobar or his cartel. They would find unusual holes in floors and walls, as well as safes that had that was stolen from its hole in the marble flooring before it could be properly examined. Mm. Escobar also owned a huge Caribbean getaway on Isla Grande, Grande, the largest of the cluster of the 27 coral cluster islands comp- comprising Islas de Rosario, located about 35 kilometers or 22 miles from Carte- Cartagena, Cartagena, the compound now half demolished and overtaken by vegetation and wild animals, oh, wow. featured a mansion, apartments, courtyards, a large swimming pool, a helicopter landing pad, reinforced windows, tiled floors, and a large but unfinished building to the side of the mansion. It's so crazy to me how these criminals live. Mm -hmm. They're so... Luxuriously. Yeah, luxuriously. People like Pablo Escobar, um, the other guy, El Chapo, Mm -hmm. you know, probably... Oh yeah. Some of these, um, some of these, what do you call them? Drug lords. Drug lords. Cartel and leaders. Cartel leaders, even people who. Um, the. ISIS leaders. Mm-hmm. People that are probably at the top, who have all of the power and money, just are probably living like, you know, kings. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's pretty. Man, and it's to, just sad, you know. It's horrifying. Yeah. To, yeah, it's just sad. But at the same time, like, imagine being so influential and like scary to people that when you get sent to jail, you get sent to like your own customizable jail that you can put like a fucking waterfall in. You know, he. I think he would have ladies come visit him, like prostitutes, come visit every once in a while. Right. <laughs> For everyone in the homies. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. I mean, he... Yeah, I imagine he kind of paid a lot. Well, he, he owned the... He, I'm, what I'm trying to say is he probably owned the town. You know what I mean? So right. it's like everyone... It's like... Yeah. <laughs> Why are you saying it like... Like, obviously. Well, obviously. Obviously, he would have witches... Right. Which is well, at his place. I mean, come on. He's Pablo Escobar. That's all. I mean, <laughs> he, 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 he owned the town. What can I say? I'm going to tell your mother.
No. <laughs> she watches this. We have a shout out to our seven <laughs> subscribers. Shout out to our seven subscribers. Or eight, you know. Or eight now. Um, I'm one of them. She's one of them. So six more of you guys. Thank you, Family guys. or otherwise. Mm -hmm. We love you all. Love you guys. Yep. Also, shout out to my niece who was recently born. Hi, Isabella. Shout, shout out. <laughs> You're only a few days old, but welcome. Um, but, uh, wow, what a horrible way. We were shouting out a birth, and now we're going to talk about Escobar's death. Oh, well, I mean, well, at least he's not plaguing the earth any longer. That's a good point. But, um... As for his death, Escobar faced threats from the Colombian police, uh, the U.S. government, and his rival, the Cali cartel. Mm. On December 2nd, uh, 1993, Escobar was found in a house in a middle-class residential area of Medellin by Colombian special forces using technology provided by the United States. Police tried to arrest Escobar, but the situation quickly escalated to an exchange of gunfire. Mm. And Escobar was shot and killed while trying to escape from the roof. He was hit by bullets in the torso and feet and a bullet which struck him in the ear, killing him. But this also sparked a debate about whether he killed himself or whether he was shot dead. Right. Mm -hmm. um, soon after Escobar's death and the subsequent fragmentation of the Medellin cartel, the cocaine market became dominated by the rival Cali cartel until the mid-1990s when its leaders were either killed or captured by the Colombian government. The Robin Hood image that Escobar had cultivated maintained a lasting influence in Medellin. Many there, especially many of the city's poor, whom Escobar had aided while he was alive, mourned his death and over 25,000 people attended his funeral. Some of them consider him a saint and pray to him for receiving uh, divine help. Escobar was buried at the Monte Sacro Cemetery. Wow. Mm -hmm. And that concludes Pablo Escobar's life. That's crazy. So his, his, his grave is just accessible? Can people visit it? Um, I would imagine. There's actually a... Uh, um, cemetery i forget exactly where it is but they basically built like full houses with like ac and running water for these people like mm. drug lords and, and cartel right mm. that's crazy mm -hmm. it's crazy to me that he has uh some sort of grave that you can visit and it's not crazy to me that so many people mourned his death because like you said he had a, some sort of robin hood mm-hmm yeah. Folklore. Yeah. Also, anyone could visit. Wow. Mm -hmm. There's a bunch of pictures of people sitting next to him. I imagine he was probably quickly forgotten. No. Um, as in terms of kind of like, you know, what can you do for us anymore now that, excuse me, now that you're dead? Well, yeah. Although he did like fix up a lot of the old... Um, like more poor areas of of Medellin right in Colombia and um, I'm sure a lot of people really appreciated him and his help when he was alive um, and I mean people even pray to him as a divine divine saint yeah I mean now I, he has to be some sort I feel like he has to be idolized by criminals and People that are up to no good, you know. Oh, yeah. He, 
is kind of like a patron saint of criminals. Mm-hmm. Now that he's not alive anymore, I just don't think all the good he did, it's kind of doesn't really matter, you know, for You're right. kind of what, how horrible of Absolutely. criminal he was. So. Yeah, because I mean, all, all we're really hearing and all you really like, a lot of what was on Wikipedia was um, how he rose in the criminal underworld, basically. And then on top of that, how he had so much influence on these people and the forces around like politics that he was able to mani- manipulate it any which way that he wanted. Yeah. Um. And then also just a couple parts where he helped the town, but you don't hear a whole lot about that. You know, you just kind of hear like he built all these crazy buildings for himself. He had a zoo. He had sculptures. He bought like so many properties. He had an apartment complex. Uh, He smuggled this much cocaine. He made this much money. You know, like that's all the stuff that kind of stands out and the part where he also, you know, kidnapped bunch of people he he started his career with the kidnapping i've never actually seen any of the netflix stuff about escobar or any documentaries or anything i remember watching a movie with my family about it i think it would be interesting to learn more about the people he did help mm-hmm. in the in his robin hood yeah ness because if he is making a difference in poor areas of his community that's i i mean for better or worse that's a great thing to do mm-hmm. so i support uplifting our community so shout yeah. out to shout out to him for that yeah shout out to his community mm-hmm. but um thank you guys for for sticking around if you did yeah on this episode of pablo escobar (laughs) so we yeah so um we're finished doing our thing there i kind of wanted to maybe touch on a little bit of behind the scenes stuff i've been getting together all the branding and making things kind of look a little bit more nice behind the scenes and i'm going to start getting more involved with the social media and promoting the show on maybe tiktok with clips and a youtube channel with clips so just keep a lookout for us hopefully if our you know six people who support us (laughs) keep supporting us and our community keeps growing mm-hmm. we can um, um you know stay in contact mm-hmm. reach out to us half history pod at gmail.com please let us know what you like what you don't like for sure you know what you want more of what you want less of we'll get there we're learning mm-hmm. hopefully we'll have a green screen in the next few uh like months here we could do it from outer space kind of a, yeah i'm interested <laughs> in in getting that going so Thank you so much for, for joining us and, and being here and a part of this. If you're here, we appreciate you. And if you're not here yet, you know, we appreciate Welcome. you still. <laughs> hope everything is going well in your life. Right. So uh, hopefully you'll be here next time. See you next Friday. Bye. Bye.